Hey, all you creeps. Welcome back to Murder on the 420 Express. I am your host, conductor, bud connoisseur, L. And it is good to be back, if I must say so myself. It's been well over a year. We're actually into 2023. The last episode that aired was back in 2021 and it's been it's been a long road to say the least but I'm really glad and I'm really happy to be back um obviously there is no Mandy it is just me Lisa L as I go by now and I'm it's it's going to be a challenge if I'm going to say anything and get something off my chest right at the start of this is that it's going to be a challenge not to have a co-host with me and talking about these strange, weird, unusual cases or even like the true crime cases that we talk about a lot also on this podcast. Um, but that's with that being said. Um, that's the whole point of you, the listener. Um, we're going to get stoned. We're going to get mind blown. And in today's episode, we're going to be talking about real life zombies, like the cases that have happened in life that are zombie related in light of thereof, the fact that this podcast is being revitalized, revamped whatever you want to call it it has risen from the dead and nothing can stop it now (laughs) all i can hear is can't stop me now (laughs) so with that being said we're gonna talk about some real life zombie cases and i really hope you guys are as excited as i am to get this get this podcast up and going again because it was great it was great from the start. It was great when we revitalized it. And you know what? It's going to be great now. So hang on to your butts and let's get started. This episode is brought to you by A Love Story Photography, where every story is founded by love. You can find them on Instagram at A Love Story Photo or shooting them an email at A Love Story Photography at yahoo.com. So obviously, following tradition murder on the 420 express we always start with the strain of the day yeah we're starting with the strain of the day which is wedding cake also known as triangle mints number 23 and in canada as pink cookies this potent strain is a cross between animal mints and triangle kush This particular strain provides a relaxing and euphoric effect that adds a calming effect all over the body and mind. Its main terpene, limonene, is the main cause of that. For those of you that don't know, limonene is a terpene that is known for being uplifting and can create a sense of euphoria. As for the flavor profile, this bud provides a rich tangy taste with undertones of earthy pepper 
Now, most medical cannabis consumers choose this strain because of its ability to help with pain, insomnia, and appetite loss. This strain may not be suitable for those uh, who have a low THC tolerance because this strain comes in with a heavy dose of THC content. So, y'all have been warned. Moving forward, I'm going to read. I always wanted to do this on the podcast, yet I, like previously, I always wanted to read an excerpt from this book called Weed. 420 things that you didn't know or remember about cannabis one because it's fucking hilarious (laughs) whoever wrote this book which goes by i am stoned um is a goddamn literary genius when it comes to transposing cannabis users and just like the stereotypical cannabis user so i'm gonna read a passage or like one of the 420 things that you didn't know and before we get into talking about fucking zombies okay because I feel like we all need that uplifting kind of just sit back chill because when we talk about some of these cases you're gonna you're gonna want to be like whoa and not like oh my god is this like like we don't want paranoia right which is why Wedding cake is the strain of the day because it provides a calming sensation to the user's mind. Very calming, very mellow, very chill. That's what we need in today's episode because we don't need any paranoia. We don't need, oh my God, the zombies, they're upon us. Oh my God. OMG, Becky, the zombies. That's not what we need right now. What we need right now is calm cool collected so let's get into it 211 from weed 420 things that you didn't know or remember about cannabis you just polished off a jar of pickles (laughs) i just want everyone to know that i randomly i randomly pick the passage (laughs) I randomly do this shit. Okay, so 211, you just polished off a jar of pickle juice. You may not want to admit it, but we've all eaten some gnarly things while high. I think this is fucking fitting for today. Talking about zombies. Oh, oh my God. Okay. <laughs> Whether it's chasing two crunch wraps from Taco Bell with a mint chocolate blizzard from DQ or covering still frozen corn with ranch dressing. Who the fuck does that? Everything tastes better when you're ripped. Facts. And since you're stoned, you're probably too lazy to actually cook anything. Also facts. So <laughs> so, so if the 25 kosher dill spears haven't satisfied your appetite, knock back the juice too just to prepare to spend time on the crapper. Wow. Uh, If I do say so myself, we are going to be talking about some crazy things that these people have decided to eat. However, as a stoner, as an honorary stoner, let me just tell you, I have eaten a whole jar of pickles while stoned i have not knocked back the the pickle juice that's a little weird 
though pickle juice does have some really magical effects to it as well but that's beside the point the point is we as stoners have eaten a lot of crazy things and i want to know what the craziest thing you have concocted while stoned um i i to be honest the craziest that's not even crazy that just sounds good i'm gonna have to think about my answer and come back to you guys because (laughs) i've eaten some crazy fucking food combinations while stoned surprisingly not while pregnant i didn't have any weird cravings when i was pregnant but yeah let me know what's the craziest thing you concocted when you were fucking zooted i want to know let me know let me fucking know let me know in the comments um so let's dive into today's fucking episode because we already talked about what today's episode is brought to us by it's brought to us by wedding cake and it's also brought to us by the crazy fucking munchies we decide that we want to eat while zooted (laughs) so let's talk about some real life zombies are you guys ready are you ready for this i feel like talking about zombies is perfect for the like the revamp of murder on the 420 express you like it was dead it was once dead this episode is actually called it's alive it's alive like (laughs) That's what this episode is called. And it's all about coming back from the dead. Oh, you thought we were gone? Oh, you thought it was dead, bitch? It ain't dead. We was just sleeping. Oh, kind of like hibernation. You know, I'm honestly really curious. No, never mind. We'll save that for another time. (laughs) We'll save that for another time. But in today's episode, so now. Many of these cases are, of course, as close as you can get to anything zombie-related, though nature has its own way of creating zombies. For instance, there is a parasitic fungus known to manipulate the brains of carpenter ants, and it's called Ophia cordyceps. Ophia cordyceps. I have such a hard time pronouncing things. So I wrote out the pronunciation, Ophiocordyceps. This fungus needs ants in order to complete its life cycle. The fungus infects the ants as they go out foraging, and it infects it via spores. Now, the fungus infects the ants as they go out foraging via spores. That can quickly spread throughout the ant's body. There is a wasp known as a jewel wasp that is known to use cockroaches for food to hatch their larvae but in order to get the cockroach to submit right um there is a particular chemical mix that is injected into the roach's brain that alters its behavior and metabolism essentially making it a fucking zombie and (laughs) it's like a a zombie larva defender. It's like the wasp was like, hey, you're going to be my kid's nanny. And you don't have a fucking say in this shit. 
Like, that's just how I imagine this to fucking go. So, however, in the stories I'm about to share with you, we don't know definitively what causes these people, these things, to act like zombies and their behaviors. Um, so hang on to your butts because we're gonna we're about to get stoned and mind blown. And let me just bring up to you the top five zombie cases that I came across that I think are really gonna blow your mind. All right, number five, crocodile, the zombie drug. Y'all remember that shit? I remember that shit. I really hope y'all remember that shit because that was crazy. So crocodile, also known as the zombie drug, is high is a highly addictive drug that aggressively eats through flesh. It is technically known as desomorphine, which has the same effects as heroin, but is vastly cheaper and easier to make. So where did this zombie drug come from and what are its origins? We need to know. ASAP. So we can put this shit Stop that shit in its tracks, right? We don't want a zombie apocalypse. Fuck that shit. But listen, the name crocodile, K- spelt K-R-O-K-O-D-I-L, originates from the Russian word crocodile, which was wreaking havoc on its local youth. Its name came from the ghastly side effects it did to the human body. Wherever the drug is injected into the body, the area would turn green and scaly, mimicking the effects of gangrene. In more severe cases, the skin rots away completely, showing the bone beneath. Other permanent side effects of the drug include speech impediments, um, erratic movement, rotting flesh, jerky movements, speech troubles. I think the media was right. Media outlets started um, tagging crocodile as the zombie drug because wouldn't that classify it as such? Like that—that's a zombie drug. However, desomorphine did not originate in Russia. The potent painkiller was patented in the United States in 1934. It only became a recreational drug in 2003 in Siberia. According to a Time article, users of the drug only live on average two to three years after use, and those who manage to stop using walk away with permanent disfigurement. Symptoms of withdrawal from the drug can last up to a month. Heroin withdrawal can last up to a week. That's pretty fucking intense if you think about it. Heroin, like regular opioids or heroin, anything anything that you would find yourself addicted to and have to go through a withdrawal process. Um, like they said in the article, heroin takes up to about a week for the withdrawals to just to go through that withdrawal process. But with this specific bleh, with this specific drug, withdrawal process for a month. A month. Dude, that's fucking insane. I could not imagine going through a withdrawal process that lasted a fucking month. You got me fucked up seven ways to Sunday if you think. Nope. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. No, ma'am. 
But according to a source at the DEA, crocodile isn't a controlled substance yet because the agency has to have more evidence that it's a public health problem. Quote, you don't want a federal agency going around making things illegal willy-nilly. We'd have to see more than two cases before we control it. But people are mixing codeine and gasoline and shooting it into their veins. What do you expect? And that was a quote, end quote, sorry, from a spokesperson from the DEA. Now, um, people are going around shooting gasoline and coating into their veins. This is, but at the start of that, right, it has the same effects as heroin. So if heroin users, which heroin is an opioid, and this is directly affected by the opioid epidemic, Now, I haven't heard of any recent cases in relation to crocodile now, like in modern time, but like the last time that we ever heard of anything like this was back in like 2012. So this is like 10 years, 11 years ago that it was in the media, in in our faces pretty much. And... uh, I get it. You don't want the the government making things illegal willy-nilly. But y'all had no problems making cannabis a level one controlled substance, even though heroin and meth and other fucking drugs are more dangerous than anybody who uses cannabis. I just, that, that, to me, the statement that the DEA spokesperson made, I was just like, you know, you're talking <laughs> way out of your ass. And I think we all can agree on that. But moving forward, we're going to go into number four, which is a Florida college student stabs stranger and eats their face. There, <laughs> this is where things start to get a little juicy, no pun intended, and you will probably have the same reaction that I did, Okay. Um, so August 15th of, uh, 2016, a 19-year-old FSU student by the name of Austin Haroff was reportedly having dinner with his parents at a local sports bar called Duffy's Bar and Grill in Jupiter, Florida. During the dinner, he stormed off, supposedly having an argument with his parents. There are other articles out there that say that he was just unhappy with the food service. But police would later find him after he storms out of this fucking restaurant. Um, they would later find him in the midst of a horrifying act, uh, attack where the sheriff would later state was completely unprovoked and random. So Haroff approached a married couple um, identified as Michelle Michonne, 53, and her husband, John Stevens III, 59, who just so happened to be chilling in their garage, um, just chilling in their garage, minding their own P's and Q's, probably enjoying the fucking evening that they had, um, 
when he approached them, and he reportedly started stabbing the couple to death with what police think was a switchblade. When a neighbor heard the attack, he tried to intervene and stop Haroff, but was also stabbed. Luckily, the neighbor was able to call 911. When the police arrived on scene, they came across Haroff hunched over the bodies, particularly um, Stevens, and they um, they tried to stop Haroff. They noticed that he was um, grunting, growling, and making animal-like noises while he was tearing chunks of flesh off of Stevens' face with his teeth. The police then used their stun guns. They even used a canine unit. And eventually, it, uh, eventually the three officers were able to pull, Steven, um, pull Haroff away from Stevens. Now, the question begs, right, like, why would a 19-year-old college student act in such a monstrous-ish, monstrous-ish, I can't fucking speak, way? Uh, The kid literally had everything going for him, right? So according to a webpage on ncsasports.org, Haroff was taking advanced placement courses in high school and working towards a scholarship before graduating in 2015. According to his recruiting profile, he was six foot tall, weighed about 200 pounds, and was able to bench lift up to 365 pounds. God damn. So many speculate online that Haroff was actually using synthetic drugs at the time. But according to a toxology report, there's nothing in his system. Nothing. Absolutely fucking nothing in his system. So Haroff was showing signs of erratic behavior even before the attack, and his mother even called the police before the attack to report that her son had been acting strangely, stating that he had superhuman powers and was here to protect people. His attorney and medical experts have since argued in court that Haroff had an acute psychotic episode, behaving, uh, oh, sorry, believing he was half man, half dog. Nearly six years after the attack, the non-jury trial was set to begin November of 2022, where he is expected to invoke the insanity defense, which, good for you, bro. You, you probably should invoke the insanity defense because if you, honest to God, believe that you're, like, here to save humanity and you have superhuman strength, and you choose to chew people's face off because you believe you're half man. That's a psychotic break. That's a psychotic episode. You should seek help. Seek help. Because <laughs> that was not the answer. That was not the answer. All right. Moving on to number three. The infamous Miami cannibal attack. This is a fuckery tale if I ever heard one. And we all have heard this one. We've all heard it. Don't sit here and lie to me and tell me that you've never heard about this. Because this was hot ass news. Um, <clears throat> back in 2012. <laughs> 2012 had a lot of fucking zombies in the media. A lot of zombie like stories in the fucking media. So let's get into it. So now. 
We've all heard this horror story at least once. I'm about to unlock a memory that we all wish would stay hidden. So this story was made famous by the infamous video that would eventually end up circulating the internet. Back in May of 2012, a man by the name of Rudy Eugene decided it was a good day in Miami to strip naked and attack a random homeless man eating 80% of his face. This man was identified as Ronald Popo. So Eugene reportedly drove to South Beach in the early morning hours of May 26 for Urban Beach Weekend, a hip-hop festival that is held over Memorial Day weekend in Miami. He parked his car at 10th and Alton Road, and when he couldn't get his car started again, walked the three and a half miles on MacArthur Causeway to get to downtown Miami where the festival was being held. Along the way, he stripped all his clothes, bare ass, birthday suit and all, before encountering this 65-year-old man. It is reported that he may have taken bath salts. That's what was reported, that this man was on bath salts, and that's why he acted in the way that he did. And obviously, which could have caused his psychotic break and superhuman strength. But get this, after a toxology report was leaked to the public, there was no... um, but there, but there was nothing. There was nothing in his system other than a small amount of cannabis, which is nowhere near close to even cause that type of psychosis or psychotic break. But the toxology report stated that there, there was nothing. There was no other drug than cannabis in this man's system. His autopsy report showed a number of unidentified pills in his system, which is also fucking weird and highly suspicious. We don't even know what they are. They didn't come up on any toxology report, and they were just in his stomach. So Rudy was shot dead by the police. Taking into account, it took 80 rounds to stop him, to stop his attack on Ronald to to literally put an end to this terror. It took 80 rounds. That's unheard of. Unfucking heard of. The good news, okay, there's good news from this. Ronald would later survive this attack and would walk away with permanent damage to his face, though. But listen, he was able to walk away from this. Unfortunately, we will never know what the hell caused Rudy to go into such go into such a state that would allow him to just completely strip of all his clothes and decide that it was a good day to eat a man's face. I don't we won't we won't ever know. We won't know. So moving on, let's lighten the mood a little bit here, okay? I want to talk about Number two, coming in hot, Mike the Headless Chicken. I know, it's not a human. I know, it's a headless chicken. But it's a headless fucking chicken that lived for 18 months after his head was cut off. You can't tell me that that is not some creepy ass shit. You can't tell me this fucking chicken was just walking around like nobody's business, living his life with no head. 
So let's get into it. Clara Olson sent her husband, Lloyd Olson, to do a very routine mission. Chop a chicken's head off so that we can have it for dinner. That was his job. That was the routine mission. Okay? However, that rooster had other fucking ideas. So Lloyd's mother-in-law, Clara's mom, was said to really savor the neck of a chicken. Like, that was, like, her favorite part of the chicken. You know, like, how drumsticks are someone's favorite? Wings are my favorite. I love wings. Um, you know, some people like dark meat. Some people like white meat. Clara's mom was a fanatic for the neck, okay? So Lloyd, being the good son-in-law that he is, wanted, you know, wanted to appease her, okay? He, wa- he wanted to kiss his mother-in-law's ass, if you, <laughs> if you will. And so as he performed the task he had done multiple times before, the bird shook off the traumatic event and just carried on with its life. When Olson found Mike the next morning sleeping with his head under his wing, he decided that if Mike had that much will to live, he would figure out a way to feed and water him. With an eyedropper, Mike was given grain and water. Within the 18 months of not having a head, Mike grew from two and a half pounds to a whopping eight pounds. That's a big boy. That is a motherfucking big ass chicken. An eight pound chicken. Bro, what? An eight pound chicken. Holy shit. And this goes to say, I mean, this goes without saying that, of course, there was a Guinness World Record in all of this. While returning from one of these road trips that the Olsons um, would take with Mike, um, they stopped at a motel in the Arizona desert. Now, in the middle of the night, Mike began to choke and they were unable to find the eyedropper that's used to clear and open um, his esophagus. And unfortunately, Mike passed away. But the legend of this fucking headless chicken lives on, bro. It lives on to this day. There is a Mike the Headless Chicken Festival that is held every year. On the first weekend in July in um, Frutoa, Colorado, or somewhere in Colorado, if it's not Frutoa or Fruta, 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 Colorado, if it is not Fruta, Colorado, if you get my drift. So anyways, I fucking crazy, man, a headless chicken just living his life. He was supposed to be dinner, but he was like, not today, not today, not today. Today, I am not going to be somebody's dinner. Today, I'm going to live my life. And by golly, Mike, Mike lived his life. Okay. So coming in at number one, this one is a really well-known one and has sparked a lot of controversy as well as a lot of studies that were being done specifically on this person in general. So number one, coming in hot, if I say or pronounce any of these names wrong, please let me know. I would rather be educated than sound dumb. Okay, thanks. But this is how they sound in my head. Uh, So coming in at number one is Clairvias Narcisse. Narcisse? Clairvias Narcisse is a Haitian man 
said to have been turned into a living zombie with the use of a combination of drugs. His case attracted considerable interest in some scientific investigation at the time. Clairvius was born January 2nd, 1922, and reportedly died sometime in May in 1962. Reportedly, he was having some beef with his brother over some land. Okay? And we all know what happens. We've all seen Yellowstone. We all know what happens when we fight over it. We all seen the history of the United States of America. We all know what the fuck happens when you fight over some land. Somebody has got to die. Somebody has got, somebody's got to die. That's, that's how all of these fights, all of these arguments over land end up happening. Somebody's got to kick the bucket. And apparently, Claire Vias's brother was like, bitch, that's you. So... After Claire Vias was supposedly, so, okay. So his brother thought it would be a great idea to poison Claire Vias so that he could just take the land for himself. Motherfucker poisoned his only brother. Uh, not Probably not only brother, but, you know, he poisoned his brother nonetheless so that he could get some fucking land. Okay. So after Claire Vias was poisoned, he was taken to a hospital. Uh, um, it was an American hospital at the time under American staff. So Americans were running this fucking hospital. He goes up into this hospital. I don't know why American is so prevalent, probably because they had no fucking idea, and it was also 1962. So there's that. Anyways, Claire Vias's symptoms included a severe fever, fatigue, and coughing up blood. He was later pronounced dead and held in a cold storage for two days and then buried. Nearly 20 years later, we all thought, here's the thing, they all thought that was the end of Claire Vias. He did. Put him in cold storage and then we'll bury him. They all thought he was dead. Wrong. They thought wrong. That motherfucker was not dead. Nearly 20 years later in 1980, a man claiming to be Claire Vias appeared in the city of La, uh, La Star. I think that's how you pronounce it. He confirmed his identity to his sister, Angeline Narcisse, and other villagers by using childhood nicknames and sharing intimate information about their family that only a family member would know. According to Claire Vias, he had been paralyzed by a voodoo priest to make him appear dead and had been conscious but immobile during his burial. So they call so supposedly they are also known as Bukar or Bukor priests. So this voodoo priest made like had him exhumed after he was buried, then later drugged him, enslaved him, and forced him to work on a sugar plantation. He had stated that he was forced to eat a paste that would render him unable to think for himself. And that also caused memory loss. When the voodoo priest died and he was not given this paste anymore, he was able to escape and make his way back home to his family. The villagers believed his story, thus earning him the title of a living zombie. Clairvius for real died um, in 1994 at the age of 72. 
fucking wicked. That is some shit. If that ain't anything, that is some shit. Some those those are your zombie cases. Those were the top five zombie cases I decided to choose. I thought they were great. Started out really creepy. Started out really creepy. But I'm really glad that it ended on a high note, right? With Mike the chicken and also Clairvius. Like, he was once thought to be dead. But he came back and he came back stronger than ever and ended up passing away at the age of 72. I give that man some props. Let's all give that motherfucker a round of applause. We all know he deserves it. (laughs) But with that being said, right, this is the welcome home train to, (laughs) this is the welcome home train to murder on the 420 Express. You know, the, the start of something new, the start of something fresh. It was once believed to be dead and is now being resurrected or reborn into I don't know I don't know what I hope for this podcast I just know that I really missed doing it at the start of this whole thing like I really loved creating and working with Mandy on murder on the 420 express unfortunately unfortunately our lives took a turn to where we weren't able to produce or create this podcast anymore I tried keeping it going and I just I did one episode and that was it (laughs) um later on in life Mandy and I did get back together as you can tell from I believe four four or five episodes that came out in 2021 um but after that Mandy decided to part ways with the project And I took it upon myself to also part ways with the project just because I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do and where I wanted to go. My life was kind of, uh, my life has been very eye opening. It's, it's been quite an experience to say the least, but I'm really, I'm, I'm ready to start this project back up again and really take it somewhere wherever that may be I'm I want to go and I want you guys to come with me all of you listeners that have been there for us and supported us from the start um let's keep going (laughs) like and let's pick up some stranded strangler uh, string stranded stranglers stranded uh I don't what is that word I can't word oh my gosh let's just pick up where we left off and let's just keep going and pick up random people along the way that also want to come and join us (laughs) and getting stoned and mind blown and just kind of listening to all the crazy shit dude and just having a wonderful experience like this is a sesh this is a smoking sesh we sit down we smoke we sit, we listen and talk about some crazy ass shit. And that's our community. Ooh, excuse me. That's our community. And I, I'm excited for what the future holds for this podcast. Now, normally the podcast episodes do run about an hour. 
since this is its comeback episode, and I got a lot more stories for you guys, a lot more. Um, remember to tune in every Thursday. Um, there's a new episode that is aired every Thursday. So with that being said, <laughs> that's it, my dudes. Our top five real life zombie cases. And hopefully you'll be able to get some shut eye tonight after <laughs> this grotesque episode. I know that I really need a brainwash after listening to most of these cases. Um, but if this episode piqued your interest in the strange and unusual and you want more, give us a follow on Instagram and TikTok at murder on the 420 official. And don't forget to subscribe to and make sure your notifications are on for when new episodes are aired. And also share this episode with your friends and family or whoever the hell has the same horrific taste in podcasts as you. If you have a story that is spooky kooky and just downright mind-blowing send us an email at murder on the 420 podcast at gmail.com have your story aired with others who also have a higher train of thought like you and if you love this podcast tell us leave us a five-star review and have your comment read on air at the end of every episode i'm your host l and this has been murder on the 420 express leaving you with a higher train of thought.